0: into our community section, truck tech, of course, is a subject. Alan Adler joining us from Austin, Texas, and uh, out there was ATA duties there as well. Headed back to Michigan, I imagine, sometime soon. Alan, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, this edition of Truck Tech, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit interesting in the fact that uh, you saw with the H-E-R-I, uh results coming out of there, zero emission vehicles starting to make a, a little bit more of an impact here in uh, in terms of what, what is concerning people in the trucking industry.
1: Well, yeah, and good morning, guys. I I think uh, it's noteworthy because it's the first time that zero emission vehicles have made the list, albeit at number 10 out of 10. Uh, just to punctuate Thomas's point a moment ago, though, the number one issue is the economy for both, uh, especially for the for the motor carriers, less so for the drivers, although they listed, I think, at number seven. Um, the, the interesting thing that we're seeing, of course, it, with the coming deadlines now for uh, zero emission vehicles for adoption of electric trucks, specifically in California, and then follow-on states is that it's it's uh, occupying more of the state of mind, top of mind for the carriers. They, they know they've got to do it. They've got to figure out how to do it, and and our show today uh, at, at 3 o'clock uh, Eastern, we um, Truck Tech show. We'll get into some of that. We're going to talk with Rebecca Brewster, who is the president of the uh, American Transportation Research Institute. They're the folks that annually do the top issues study. And we, we try to bore in specifically to the zero emissions question with her, as well as Um, On the driver's list, uh, the commercial driver's list, the the issue of autonomous trucks shows up for the first time at number seven. It had never been on the list before. Um, It's something that I asked Rebecca, I said, is this a fear and loathing question? And she said, no, it's more of a fear of the unknown. So we get into that with her. Then we also talk with the chief product officer at Motive about sort of a shift in some of the work that they're doing. You know, They're kind of a soup to nuts freight management operation. But they're getting a lot of questions from their customers now about what do I do about this electrification thing and how can you help me? And so we'll we'll talk about that. And then the rest of the show, uh, we're going to give it over to the Volvo uh, Super Truck 2. We have a walk around with Keith Brandis, who is the uh, uh, Vice President of Partnerships for Volvo Truck North America. Um, He takes us through the truck and in the truck, interestingly enough. Again, this is an experiment. It's a engineering exercise. It's fun for engineers. It's also partly paid for by the Department of Energy. So, you know, you can do some things you might not do with your own money. Um, But the idea is that some of this technology is going to find its way into future Volvo trucks, just like Super Truck One did. Um, So we spent some time with him uh, this afternoon. That's going to make up our show this week. All of it from Austin, all of it maybe a little bit off the beaten track of what the ATA is there to do. Um, But we thought it was important to sort of try to suss out some of the technology things that, that were you know, at the show, but maybe not front and center at the show.
2: And speaking about sussing out some of those things, Alan, one of the things that you mentioned was the fear of the unknown. We're looking at autonomous and autonomy entering the market, especially from the driver's side. We're looking at that really being implemented and the rollout of it altogether. What, was that, what would that potentially look like in the coming years in terms of still needing humans to be involved with this process and really a full industry adaptation of it?
1: You know, Anthony, I think what it is, is it's a shifting of jobs and responsibility. And it, 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 think about us for a moment. This is something Rebecca said to me. She said, you know, if they were talking about looking at a different way of, of doing analytical work, which we at actually do. She said, we would all have some concerns for our jobs. You know, what's it going to look like? So if I'm a, if I'm a long haul driver today, or even a regional haul driver and a robot's going to take that work over, what am I going to do? I might be working in the last mile space. I might be driving to distribution centers or bringing loads out to wherever that uh, hub to hub starting point is. Let's look at Texas simply because that's where a lot of the activity is right now. Nothing running fully autonomous without drivers yet, but maybe by the end of next year, they will be. I think it's more a question of what does the orientation look like? It isn't so much. I mean, you know, we have certainly some groups that are fearful, the Teamsters come to mind, that jobs will just disappear altogether. All I don't really think that's what's going to happen in the industry, uh, you know, is trying really hard to say, look, it's going to be a shifting of jobs. It's going to be better jobs that won't require weeks on the road. You can get home to Uh, to your own bed at night, that kind of thing. We'll see how all this plays out. Um, But your question about, you know, the playing out of this whole issue is gonna take quite a bit of time. I mean, if we have a couple of routes by the end of next year that are running, you know, with no human driver in the truck, that will be a big deal but it will be a barely a blip in terms of the number of routes that are run, and I think as this plays out, it will be on specific routes. I forty five in Texas from say Houston to Dallas is one that's getting a lot of practice work right now with you know safety drivers in the trucks. Um, so I'm sure, in a, and it's Aurora's plan, Aurora Innovations plan, to uh, you know launch on that route, uh, Houston to Dallas at at the end of twenty twenty four we'll see if they can get there by that time. But um, it's going to be a while before we see a a lot of it, Um, you know, but it's definitely coming. And I think it does, again, it has to the drivers, at least somewhat concerned. Rebecca Brewster seems to think it will continue to be an issue until we know more of what it's going to look like.
0: One of the things, excuse me, one of the things that we didn't necessarily talk about when we had you on, when the story came out, um, necessarily, and it it catches me now, I think it's getting more and more important I think it's certainly gone up the list. Lawsuit abuse reform on the on the carrier side in terms of seeing a lot of litigation and a lot of decisions, especially at the circuit court level uh, or district circuit court, circuit court level uh, in terms of, of judgments going one way or the other. How much of that is, do you see? Is that a concern right now for carriers? Because uh, these things are starting to pile up and they are getting bigger, that's for sure.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. Chris Speer, who's the uh, CEO of the American Trucking Association, uh, addressed this in his uh, speech on Monday at the ATA. And he said that basically, uh, you know, the ATA and, and its state organizations are in for the long haul and for the long fight on this and that they're winning. Um, they, he, he listed several states where they're starting to see sort of this, um, you know, kind of tort abuse or or uh, lawsuit abuse uh, get turned back. And uh, I think, you know, they're pouring a lot of money and a lot of lobbying efforts and things like that into, you know, sort of turning back this tide of, uh, I guess in a sense, you'd have to call it ambulance chasing attorneys that, you know, the plaintiffs bar that are looking for truck crashes where they can grab onto something and maybe he calls it, he calls it jackpot, uh, uh, you know, kind of a jackpot approach. To, to litigation. And I think that, you know, the ATA is extremely aware of it. It is back on the list because, you know, insurance rates and everything else are affected by the prospect of nuclear verdicts. So I'm not sure that other than it, it did return to the list this year, it's been on there off and on over the years since the study began back in 2005, um, but it, it definitely is getting some attention again.
2: And Alan, you also mentioned you have some news or coverage around Volvo and some other manufacturers. Can you tell us a little bit of a sneak peek or give us a little bit of a sneak peek as to what's to come?
1: Well, we, we talked about, you know, again, we we wrote last week and it, it sort of got a lot of attention, a lot more than I would have expected on on this Super Truck 2. So we had the chance to, to you know, not half the show today, Anthony, is, is gonna be about that with this walk around, which I think is always fascinating because you, you're looking at, you know, what is in here that might well end up in a, in a truck in, in a few years? And as I said, we saw that happen after the Super Truck 1 program, and now they're moving on to Super Truck 3, which, which ultimately will be about electric vehicles. Um, I think, you know, from from the standpoint of news at ATA, not a ton that, you know, we have to pay a lot of attention to there, but um, some good uh, sideway, uh, you know, sideline conversations that I had that will make up uh, an interesting uh, essay, I hope, on Friday around the move to stationary power from necessarily powering trucks with electricity. We've got two examples, one being Hylion, which you know, last week said, hey, you know what, we're gonna take a hard look at our trucking business and see if this is something, the truck powertrain is something we really should be doing. But we do have this technology that we purchased from GE called Car- uh, Carno that uh, we may make stationary uh, applications for, you know, data center power and things like that. And then we're also seeing that at Hyzon, interestingly enough, with their fuel cell work. There's They uh, kind of opened up their product portfolio to say, you know what, we're going to start doing some stationary stuff too. So we'll take a look at that um, on Friday. We've got a number of other things. I took a quick spin in the Mac MD electric uh, medium duty truck, literally around the block um, in Austin. Uh, we have a much... Uh, more fulsome look at that at the end of the month out of Sonoma, but um, we'll get into that on Friday. And uh, there's a number of other things. We've got some new deadlines now for the Proterra bankruptcy. They have, in fact, um, attracted some bids for each of their areas of business in their Chapter 11 reorganization, um, but they pushed out the deadlines because they need to figure out, I guess, who's serious and who isn't um, in terms of you know carving up uh, their business in, in terms of uh, survivability.
0: Real quick before we let you go, you already, you already mentioned uh, Hylion in terms of what they're looking at with that HyperTruck ERX. Uh, you know, this is kind of something we're going to probably get into in a roundtable a little bit later on this week. But in terms of what they're looking at, I mean, this was kind of a, a full stop here for a real quick second just to look at, hey, this may not be the way that we want to go in terms of how quick. Was this surprise since they put all this energy and money and time into this and all of a sudden, hey, let's take a second look.
1: Well, I think the board bill uh, at Hylion has been, you know, a pretty uh, persistent with the management there uh, really for a number of months now saying, you know, what is your plan for sufficiency? How are you going to get this to scale and how are you going to make money doing it? Because it's a very expensive uh, uh, prospect. There's $400,000, give or take, you know, per unit. They're going to go ahead and finish the first 30 trucks and, you know, deliver those to customers. Uh, they've got issues around, you know, going to a new, uh, a new power plant because Cummins, which, uh, you know, helped them get the 12. Liter natural gas engine certified to run the electric system in the truck, excuse me, in their powertrain. Um, that particular powertrain is going away. It's going to be replaced by a 15 liter, um, which is great, except that Cummins has got tremendous interest just in the 15 liter itself. So the question becomes, do you really need the on product? I said from the very beginning, as exciting as it was, that it was always gonna be a transition to a full electric vehicle. And that's something that you the know, CEO and founder Uh, you know, Thomas Healy agrees with. And yet he feels like there may be something there. But when we talked in Austin, it was much more uh, because he can't say much about the ongoing strategic review. But we did talk about the Carno uh, generator. And uh, so I'm going to make you wait till Friday to read what he had to say Mm -hmm. there. But uh, interesting, uh, interesting approach pivot, if you will, um, you know, in terms of, you know, how do we get something that we can actually, you know, scale and, and make some money at?
2: Amazing commentary as always. Alan, thanks so much for joining us this morning and we'll be sure to check in with you with Truck Tech later on in the week and see what you have in store.
0: Thanks, guys. Always great to hear from Alan there as well. You can check out Truck Tech on Wednesdays and of course the newsletter coming up on Friday there as well. We'll come back after this break. Lots more content coming up your way, including a promo of what's coming up in our FreightWaves universe after this.